Okay, welcome everybody to episode five, Thanksgiving edition of the Jankyard. I'm your host, Killer Cactus, and with me is the man who didn't celebrate Thanksgiving this weekend because he did it a month ago, and that's the treatment. <laughs> hey, everyone. And also with us is the other guy who did eat too much turkey as I did this weekend. I'm sure that is Schmendrix. That's me. I, I will say that I am generally vegetarian, but I did eat too much turkey because uh, my brother-in-law did this dry rub with Herbe de Provence. It was delicious, and I couldn't help myself. So yes, yeah. I ate too much turkey. That sounds phenomenal. It was so good. Kudos on the vegetarianism, by the way. Thank you. Uh, erstwhile vegetarianism. Getting back into the swing of it now. I always tell myself I'm going to do it. Like... I, I've gone big spells of not eating meat and just eating like just a lot of vegetables and fruit and it's always fine. But then like, I just break down and gorge on like two steaks or something. Like, I think all things it's best (laughs) to approach it. Like instead of setting a strict rule, you know, you can start with weekday vegetarianism uh, and just go from there. Don't beat yourself up over it. That's sort of what my wife do. My wife and I, I mean, it helps that she does, you know, most of the cooking. So, um, it's easy for, for me not to eat meat, but, uh, we mostly mainly red meats. We just, we cut out a long time ago. And then if we're out with people, like we won't say no, but it's easy just to control your own meals and then be flexible with it. For sure. Good for you guys. (laughs) Good for you guys. Um, anyway, ashes. It's yeah. still a thing. Um, and we should talk about it because that's what this show is about. It's a um, hot thing. The hottest. The only yeah. and now longest running Ashes podcast. That is absolutely correct. <laughs> I actually don't think – I mean, Chris Pratt's been back around the server, which is exciting. Uh, and I yeah. think he was part of the last longest running Ashes podcast. I think he was. That's true. And technically Red King has his – or, I mean, there, there's the archives of it. I don't know how many episodes he did. That's true. We're more active than chaos theory, though, so there you go. Right. That's all that matters. All right, so we've got a lot of stuff to talk about this week. And before we do that, I wanted to see if you guys saw any cool decks out there over the last couple of weeks that we wanted to talk through. I don't think so. Honestly, this week, uh, in terms of me watching games, it's been a little on the lower end. I guess... The one of the ones that I can talk about is one I just saw today, and it's Brian, um, Brian B's deck. He's playing an Auric shell, um, huh. and he apparently, like, he was playing against No Such Mayoni today. Um, well, actually, both of those decks are interesting. It was a really weird game. Um, Mayoni spin down, so it was Dream Fracture and Magic Siphon. Um, so, I mean, that's already a different take and the snake got up to like 13, 14, 15 tokens. I don't remember, but just no way of, of punching through. Um, and, uh, and then Brian, I don't even know how many rounds cause there was a bunch of passing he was playing and he got awakened and slowly chipped away the, the health. Um, and naturally the sort of auric concentration countered the spin down plan. Um, But both decks were kind of interesting. And and Brian was saying that his deck, which is snapper, 
uh, Sally, Turtle Guard, and Wishing Wing and Crab, I think, um, has just been doing really well. And, I mean, it's sort of a common shell. It's like a hope shell, you know, type of thing that we've seen a lot of, the Wishing Wing Crab thing. Um, but I guess the the sort of key there is that because Sally and Snapper is such an efficient combo and then Wishing Wing, you know, helps with the draw. Right. Um, it gives you the opportunity and the time to build up the concentration. So it has the built-in inevitability, but it's still a strong deck. Um, so that was kind of cool. Uh, and then I've seen, I've seen Asterix playing sort of a lot of, I think it's, well, he, he, different shells, Odette and Echo. Um, and he starts... Oh, I've only seen the Odette. Yeah, so uh, similar, right? Like a lot of Crypt Guardian and... Blood uh, Archer. Cr- Blood yeah. Archer starts uh, with R- Ruin Dweller as the backup burn. Um, and they, they've been doing quite well. He beat Carl today in a matchup, and I think Carl's been on a run of his uh, Rowan Control deck i guess you could call it um so it's just you know uh it seems like people i'm not sure if they're practicing for worlds or if they're just you know trying to fine-tune some ideas but those have been pretty cool games to watch yeah that's cool it's exciting to me that people are trying fun stuff um even in the run-up to worlds i mean those are all really strong not not that those aren't also really strong decks but uh I think I took my Thanksgiving break a little early uh, towards the beginning of last week when I had a couple games with apologies to my opponents where I think one was against Hope Creepers and I was running something janky janky, and I was like, I think we know where this is going. Do you mind if I concede? And I think it was like turn six, round one, where I was just like, this is just not going to make any sense. And then jumped into another match and saw hope creepers and again i was just like look i i need to start putting like casual tags on my games because (laughs) if people are just gonna run hope creepers into this stuff like it's they're not even really games at that point so didn't you um didn't you run red king's uh anti hope creeper rin whale deck and smash jesse like that was like within the last week or two wasn't it i wouldn't i wouldn't call i wouldn't call it smash i mean yeah i uh, I think that was a situation where Jesse decided to concede pretty early because he just felt like he didn't have play into that deck, which is totally understandable. That deck is really nasty if you don't have ways of dealing, if you don't have enough hard removal. Um, but yeah, that's called Lament. Um, and Chaos Theory tested it a bit against Hope in a more serious way, or he he modified it to test against Hope. But... Um, yeah, I think that's a really interesting deck. We'll see what happens in, in the World Championship, how many hopes there are uh, at the end of the day. We have so many players who I think refuse to be boxed in by the predictable meta that probably be fewer than there ought to be, but hope is so, so strong. Uh, I, I just find it encouraging and uh, great credit to the community that even in the run-up to Worlds, we see such a diversity of decks I want. I want to definitely see. Or myself, I've been trying to just theory craft. Um, I guess anti hope, but probably more specifically anti creeper decks. And um, so eventually, at some point, probably not until maybe the holidays, I'll be able to 
I'll get to testing it, but I think there's a couple ideas there. It's just, it's really hard to anticipate the type because there's what, like three creeper decks? There's the, I guess there's the gates, there's the double down version, and then there's just the straight. Like five book version. Crab wing efficiency. Yeah, five book version. So it's kind of like there's, I don't know if there's a one solution fits all, um, but I am certainly interested in what happens at Worlds. I made a deck for it. I it, it's I love it. It's really good. It's not gonna win, but it's it's what I'm gonna play, and it's it'll give me the best shot I that I have. I think without playing something like Super on Meta, I just don't want to play Hope or Brennan. Um, but I have seen a lot of Asterix's deck that Blood Archer Odette. Um, it just puts out so much damage in the first round and I I really like the aggressiveness of it um, I haven't seen it into a, into like a Hope Creeper or a Brennan matchup I don't know how it does but I do love that it just just puts out so much like raw damage in the first round um, I did play against Brian I, I, I had like an Astria or something silly and I did what, what uh, Shmendrick was talking about, right? Where I like played a few turns, and I was like, "All right, Brian, I think I'm done. Like, we we can do something else now." Yeah, it can be pretty demoralizing. That's that's it's been about it for me. It's I mean I I'm, it's an interesting problem to solve. I I think it was oh I mean was it last week? There was the meta channel. I don't remember what what day it was, but it just blew up. Um, like for hours, uh, you know, discussing whether Hope Creeper was broken, whether the problem is Creeper, whether the problem is Hope, whether it's the combination of the two, um, et cetera, et cetera. And it was really interesting just like to, to read through, cause it seemed like everyone participated in that conversation. Um, just the different takes and, um, it, it kind of, it went big waves where it started where everyone was on the same page saying, yep, it's broken, uh, you know, yada, yada. And then by the end of it, uh, I think dubious archivist jumped in and red King jumped in. They're like, actually, I don't think it's broken. I think there's a little bit of, um, sort of like, I guess, uh, hive mind in terms of the potential for solutions. Um, so, I mean, I'm interested to see how and where it evolves. Uh, but, you know, I think the only way that's going to maybe show off is if, if a significant portion of the invitees play Hope Creepers or, you know, the the main meta decks. I guess there's the four that people are considering. Brennan, Hope, uh, Odette, and Mayoni, but... We haven't really seen a lot of Mayoni, so we'll see. I think the issue is that a lot of these answers are one-round answers. Yeah. And th- there's a lot of those. Like, you can you can beat it in the first round, and that's fine. And that's good, but the, the issue is creep, Summon Indiglo Creeper is a book, and Duplicate is on the board, Right. And like if you use an action spell or something to beat it for a round, that that only works for a round. 
And then after round one, hope is still hope, and Indigo Creeper still exists, and it's just a problem again. Well, it's also keeping up with the like eight or nine or ten books. Like I, I've joined in some games, and it's like be- between Wishing Wing and Crab already, that engine gets you all the card draw, and then like you said, you know, duplicate is always on the board, so you're there's no way you can pack enough ice traps and then even if you're Odette you know you don't necessarily have enough removal to constantly keep the seeds out of play right which when faced with the best value over time engine that can't that a control deck can't control because control tools are not sufficiently efficient or they're just frankly isn't there's not the volume of them to deal with the amount of value that hope creepers can get i think you go back to burn and so then you go back to a hope brennan deck right the other way to deal with value over time is shorten the game so i think that's that's kind of that's kind of the pickle and i think two things can be true i think one thing that is true is that as a community and this is simply a product of the fact that we're a small community and not enough games get played in general um we have not tested enough answers to hope and we don't really know whether there's a hope answer that could work and there are probably decks that could beat hope especially in closed lists uh you know on a one-off basis so like i think that's true i also think it's true that like we don't actually need to do much testing to just look at the numbers and look at the value and decide that yeah i think my position as Hope Creepers is pretty clearly above curve, and I don't think there are answers within the current card pool to be competitive on a sustainable basis with Hope Creepers. Yeah, not like round over round answers. Right. You know, yeah. like you could meteor them in the first round, right? Great. You can play Fear. You can do Beguile Two Shadows. Like, you, there's all kinds of stuff you can do. But like again, it that helps you win the first round. But then in the second round, like Treatment said, they have you know three Creeper books and a couple Wishing Wing books and a couple Snapper books, and you know they're putting out eight units for six dice, and then you can't win anymore. That's this is what it feels like. Well, I have a few things to say. So the first is that um, one thing I thought was interesting, and I hope to see more of it, is um, I think it was like Redentor. And maybe it was Brian or a couple people that day of the big meta channel blow up um, were like, okay, well, how about we do some test games where we act as if um, duplicate discards rather than destroy. Um, And so that obviously requires a lot of manual mode intervention. So I, I think it makes the games a little bit awkward, but it's an interesting thing that I would like to see more of like just as, as a test of, you know, potentially a simple errata, if that had to be the thing, obviously I would like to see, you know, actual deck solutions and I'm going to try and theory craft as many as I can and hopefully get to actually testing them. But that was an interesting thing. Cause I know that that idea has been thrown around. Like what if the only difference was that duplicate discarded? So that was pretty cool. Um, the other is just like, I think there was some, 
the distinction I think that people come down on is the idea of like, or the the definition of broken. And I don't think broken means unbeatable because obviously Hope Creepers has been beaten in various matches. But I think the, the overall issue is that it's just so high above the curve. And my concern moving forward is the idea of just adding more cards um, or buffing other things up to counter it or to, to provide an, a, a solution. Um, I worry about power creep yeah. over the long run. Um, and like, you know, you can't, you can't just say, well, here we have no solutions in the current pool. So we have to add some and how do you avoid the rich get richer or just like increasing the, the slow power creep where a lot of previous cards, you just can't play anymore. Cause it's like, well, if that's going to be a consistent deck in play, then you have to yeah, play all these other cards. Yeah, you don't, right? The answer is you don't, and it happens in it happens in every game. Um, you know, I was just I, I played in a Pokemon League this afternoon um, with my son, and I don't know if you guys know anything about that game, but it's it's no. the I know there are little Pokemon that are in balls, and you throw them at people. It's like dodgeball. You got to catch them all. Yeah, like it's a lot like dodgeball. <laughs> It's a it's it's a really really funny example of power creep, like when you look at the, like the game's been around for so long, right? And like we're at the store and we're looking at the singles that they're selling, um, and you know just seeing if there's anything cool there. And they have cards from like you know, twenty years ago, or whatever in the in the little thing that you can sell. And there was a Mewtwo that was on sale from like twenty years ago for you know, some astronomical price. And it was like, um, it had like 60 or 70 hit points. And it was like, there was an attack that did like 50 damage. Right. And like the basic Pokemon now that you play are like 250 hit points. And that's like the little ones (laughs) or like like 220. (laughs) Like if you're not doing 200 damage with every attack, like you're not winning the game. And so like, it's just it's That's just wild. kind of silly to think about how, like every set they just make the numbers bigger, right? And that's like Yu-Gi-Oh, right? All everything's in thousands and five hundred. I think five hundreds as well. Yeah, big numbers. Um, but and power creep is just a thing that's it's if you're making new cards, like eventually you run out of design space to design things that are on par with what you've came out with before, and it just ends up being a little bit stronger, and then you have to make stuff that's a little stronger to combat with that. And, you know, if in games where there's rotating formats, that's not an issue, really, right? Because you just rotate out the old stuff and the new right. stuff is, you know, all it's all the creep stuff. So it's OK. Like there's always a fireball or whatever it is in magic, like like red decks always have, you know, yeah. some core things. Blue always have some core cards. They just reprint. Not reprint, but like you know, new art slightly very right. Yeah, like the in, good cards like get reran, and then yeah, and they're good enough to stand up to the creeped cards, right? To the pushed cards. Um, but in a game like Ashes, it's an LCG where everything's an expansion and all the cards are legal. That's where power creep could be a problem, right? Because unless we're gonna start, you know, reprinting Phoenix Born, which we had a chance to do in Red Rains, I guess, but we're you know, it doesn't seem like we're going to do that. Yeah, that's a big miss in my in my book. Yeah, but I mean, we'll get we to can, Red Rings. Yeah, we can kind of segue into it if you want. Oh, I want to say one more thing on that. I think yep. 
the power creep might be inevitable as just a general like you know in in a in an extendable card game that does not have rotation that might be the inevitability but at the same time i don't think the current card pool has exhausted all the design space oh i totally agree i think there's just a ton of areas that can be explored um i know carl and i think brian are are big proponents and neil as well they've they've repeated this point you know across different threads and and about resource removal um so not exactly the way 1.0 was with illusion dice and whatever but you know in the same sort of vein as perhaps three-eyed owl but you know more controllable or not as impactful to the first five something that allows you to target these hyper efficiency decks. Um, and I think even something like now that we have the time cycle and status, this the overall time cycle has shifted status tokens to be such a powerhouse. Whereas like when it was only Jericho, um, they were virtually worthless. I think we need that rebalancing just in that space. So something when I think of like survival of the fittest, right, that came out and it was like, well, here's how we're going to make status tokens good is that you can wipe everything that doesn't have a status token on it. Well, you could just as easily re- like print a card now that says, well, destroy everything with a status token on it and give you know the non-status, non-time decks uh, some sort of card to play. And I'm not saying that that's you know, going to be a great card or anything, but you know, like there's so many things that you can explore um, in New Phoenix Born or just the card pool in general. And so I don't want to say that like we have to just make things like take existing cards or take existing ideas and just either decrease the cost or increase whatever the effect is. Yeah, I think I, I guess I'll just we can move on to Red Reigns. Uh, but I'll just say I think Nick is a really good designer and I think he fundamentally understands that I think Ashes is best when cards are operating in a relatively tight space with one another because i think what attracts a lot of people to the game and it's actually interesting because it's a bit of a tension is one the openness of the deck building which creates this sense that i could actually win the game to some degree before i even get to the table with my deck building choices like there's it's so open so much synergy you can unlock and the mechanic of the first five means that your deck will do the things you want your deck to do pretty you know, very consistently, potentially. Um, with the fact that it's highly tactical, cards trade pretty evenly most of the time, and it really comes down to trying to squeeze out dice efficiency. And I think managing that tension is really tricky, and I think um, I think one of the interesting things about Creepers is it just shows how small the imbalances can be in a game like Ashes. Like, it's so finely tuned that it doesn't take much to start throwing the game out of kilter which i think again um, speaks highly of how tightly the game has been designed and especially in the reborn era uh, and it, I, I think i'm excited to see what nick does in the um, red rain cycle to try and create some more balance create some more opportunity and I'll also say like this is another topic that came up and we can <laughs> just drop this but I would just be, you know, I think for the competitive game, if if I were in charge of competitive 
like tournaments that are community organized, I'd be so much more aggressive about just trying to shape the competitive meta to keep it interesting and entertaining for people. But we can we can come back to that at another time. Custom rules. Type yeah. Of, yeah. No, I and I get the objections um, that I've seen. I understand those, and and I can, especially in a in a small community, I can understand the fragmentation sort of aspect. But at the same time, I I'm kind of on board with you that there's just there's room to explore and I don't see a reason not to explore when it's unlikely, at least now and for short, you know, for a short time frame. if you're saying here's a, a two month tournament that we're going to experiment with, it's not going to impact the global growth of ashes or confusion. I mean, you can make it explicit. We have all kinds of formats, right? We have all kinds of like, Oh, do the, um, coal off which is coming up well we could talk about that and um what's the dice one the one where you get the, the carousel right yeah. like, there's all kinds of things so just try it and i think everyone would be on board with it i thought i thought we were going to do an unchained contest but i haven't heard anything about that yeah they talked about that um like you said there are lots of different formats that can be that can be tried i'd be on board for trying any of those i'd also be really interested to see if you can print you know, and I, I know some people like silver bullets in card games and some people don't. Um, I mean, I think there I think there's interesting things you could do, like a, maybe there's a ready spell that like a law or something that says, you know, law of whatever. Um, every unit, whenever a unit is destroyed, it gets discarded first before it's destroyed. That's interesting. Yeah, like something like that you put on the board. Right. And then it it just. Like, all, it seems like all the broken stuff right now, by the way, in Ashes is all about unit destruction. Even like, even like Summon Sleeping yeah. Widows, you know, before, before we like got, it was all like a unit de- gets destroyed and then something broken happens. Well, and even now, right with uh, the closest, like the, probably the second most efficient thing now, now that Widows is, is, is ba- um, chained, is uh, Rowan... And rise. Well, yeah, I mean, you have that like three, three dice. Yeah, for you, five you, units. you know, that thing, which, you know, I don't think anyone's arguing that's a broken thing in the game, but it's something super efficient. But like you look at in the glow creeper, you know, getting blown up and making thorns. Or you look at duplicate, you look at double down, like you look at snapper and salamander, like literally all of that stuff is like something gets destroyed and then something broken happens because of that. So, so like, you know, law of, I don't know, some like law of disintegration or something. <laughs> then, uh, that, and, yeah, that'd be cool. I mean, there's only two discard effects, right? Two shadows and fear. Uh, there's, uh, fade no, away. Destroy, fade away destroys. Oh, and then removes from the game. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it it's is. rare, um, right? But anyway, the, that's. You know, maybe there's some, maybe there's room for stuff like that. I don't, and some people like those solutions, some don't. Um, but it, like, it might work really well as a law, just because that's kind of like the things yeah. laws do, right? They change the state of the game for a round, and that so that might be interesting. I, I think laws primarily look pretty in my binder. Yeah, that's what laws do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. On like a related note, um, just because you mentioned like silver bullets. Um, and that's something actually we'll talk about today, but, uh, there's a great, uh, series that, um, team covenant did where 
they interviewed a bunch of game seven sin- original sins yeah yeah, seven original sins. They interviewed a bunch of game designers, including uh, Nick, Nick yeah. included. Yeah, uh, I don't remember if he was the Silver Bullet episode, but um, it doesn't matter because they end up basically taking one of the the seven sins as they claim them, um, and do a full interview with one designer, and then they toss in the other six sins as like a speed round for the the feedback. So uh, it's a great series just to listen to, you know, the different approaches and what different designers consider appropriate or not appropriate or, you know, where the fine lines that they personally draw are. Um, And Nick's interview was, you know, equally as interesting. I wish now I, like I I listened to that over a month ago, I wish I remembered his exact answer for Silver Bullets. But, um, you know, like, I think the idea is it's better to design cards that, are not silver bullets where if the thing you're countering isn't in play, then it becomes a dead card in hand. Like it, you're, the card should have multiple utility. It shouldn't just be like, you know, I counter this one specific card, but my if my opponent doesn't play it or no one shows up with that deck, then I've just made my own deck worse by including this card. Which is how the laws feel a lot of the time to be honest yeah so. they each you know yeah. they try to like do two different things right each law does two things the laws yeah which is kind of nice right. like even you know law of grace stops burn damage but also heals you for one so like if you're not facing a burn deck you at least get to heal you know law of fear exhausts a guy and law of sight draws yeah, law of sight draws and yeah. stops reactions law of fear exhausts a guy and then makes damage less so like they, they all do two things which I think is, you know, a kind of a cool compromise with that idea, right? Where if you're if you're not up against the thing that you want this law to stop, at least it still does something else. Um, but I don't know. It like I, I tend to agree with you. Silver bullets seem like, uh, like you know, you you put them in your deck and they stop one thing. And I, I used to play a diff- I used to play a WWE theme card game years ago that's not in print anymore but um the designers loved silver bullets right that all they did was they would go through a meta there'd be one broken strategy and they'd print a silver bullet for it and then it would go away that's all they did every set and it (laughs) it got to be where like (laughs) it's you know people like i would just play the the broken things because no one played the silver bullets Right, because it was like they'd print a silver bullet, and then it was like everybody kind of like, you know, unwritten rule agreed not to do the broken thing anymore. So no one played the silver bullet because they didn't want to make their deck worse. But then if someone did play the broken thing, nobody had the silver bullet, and you just it was bad. Yeah, that that RPS thing is also feels really the rock paper scissors of like, yeah, did you did you bring the super powerful combo, and did your opponent pack the one right. answer that seems horrible i i just think you don't want you need to find you need to like i said you need to manage this tension between making deck building meaningful without making deck building the entire game or deck choice right well there are there are cards that that are great examples of that balance like something like golden veil or root armor in some sense it's a it's a silver bullet against tristan right but it's it, it's still they're both great cards in general that can be used in a in a variety of decks. 
Um, it's just, you know, if you anticipate having a lot of Tristans in the competition, you probably should at least have one Root Armor or Golden Veil, right? Like those are just good cards. Um, and so that's the design space I think that needs to be explored. And I'm just not sure. Well, I mean, different ideas have been tossed around, but I'm not sure exactly how to handle the the creeper efficiency or otherwise. But I, I think it is solvable. And, I, and I'm definitely hopeful um, or I, I'm, you know, I believe in Nick's ability to design and, and create solutions out of this. Um, but it, I'm also not going to immediately dismiss the idea of errata or, you know, fixing something that, you know, has to be done by reprint or online living doc. Like, I, I know some people are really against that because, like, well, if you buy into the game then, and you don't also buy this extra thing, then you're kind of out of luck. But other games have done it. There are definitely easy and clean ways of doing it. There are worse ways of doing it. I just, I think all the options should be explored yeah. and considered. But let's let's move on to a hot topic because <laughs> I don't want to get bummed yeah, out. Yeah, well, I mean, we're, we're, we're already kind of, I mean, we can jump around the script a little bit. We're already kind of talking about, you know, deck building and support cards and meta counters. So why don't we just finish that and we can do the news after. Yeah, okay, sure. I mean, I, I think the, you know, the idea of what we've talked about is something that every person considers when they're building a deck, or at least it's something that you should consider. Yeah, right? I mean, I, I guess, so one thing in my head, like, the closest thing we have right now to a, you know, to a silver bullet or, like, a, a hard meta counter is people have talked about putting, like, one end in your deck if you're in time. I've seen that said a lot, right? Even if you don't have Crypt yep. Guy or Ruin Dweller or Blood Puppet or Monisher or any of the other things that trigger off of end. Um... Not build a deck with admonishers. Well, yeah. What is this? This is crazy. <laughs> time. Um, but like, just because Era's End will kill a creeper without triggering double down, right? Or it will kill Law of Fear. Um, or, or the, the brilliant, yeah. or the brilliant thorns, or the thorns. That yeah, that's you know, the big one. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I, I think it's and I it I, I I've seen people debate back and forth, right? Whether it's better to wait till the thorns get made and kill those, or kill the creeper without triggering double down and then see if you can get rid of the seed before it makes thorns. I, you know, I don't know. I think both have merit, right? But, but like, but that's an interesting thing, right? That's the thing where you put the era's end in your deck. You can't use it unless they do the thing. Right. And otherwise it's just garbage in your deck. And I, I don't, I've like struggled with that. If I have a deck with time that doesn't have that stuff, I like, I really don't want to spend that card slot on era's end. You know, Ashes only has 30 card slots. 30 cards. Yeah. Um, it's it's really tough, especially when you you want to have multiple first five options and, you know, other answers for things, like for bigger problems to your deck, like, you know, that one of Adept Duelist that you might want, right, is starts getting really hard to squeeze in. Or that little bit of extra reach that you want to close a game, which is something I want to talk about in this discussion that we're about to have. On the point of, like, an era's end, do you consider that more, like, so the the three things that I guess I want to talk about in terms of the deck building is the cards that you choose to include or con or at least consider as um, meta counters in perhaps more of a broad sense, the distinction between that and silver bullets, which I think are aimed, 
you know, specifically at either a, uh, a certain card of some of some sort. So either a specific Phoenix born or a specific um, archetype and then just general support cards, which like you said, you know, you want to include the, the reach, the plan B, you know, the extra support. Um, where do you see Era's End or an Adept Duelist? I mean, to, to me, those are silver bullets. I'd quibble with that insofar as, well, I'm going to leave Era's End aside. I would not put Adept Duelist in that category. And for this reason, which is that I would say silver bullets. I mean, first of all, in general, Era's End has synergy with other things. So it's not not strictly a silver bullet in the card. Right, 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 right. It could be a silver bullet inclusion in certain decks. Yeah. And I and I think the distinction I would make between like meta beater and silver bullet is does the card that you are including have utility outside of the singular case that you're most worried about or that drives its inclusion. So like I think root armor and golden veil were really good examples of what I would say might be like meta beater cards but are not they're not silver bullets they have larger utility like there's a lot of value you could potentially get from a root armor even if you're not playing tristan golden veil huge huge range of uses obviously that can be really valuable and really disruptive to your opponent adept duelist i think there are lots of units even if it's not a root armored unit you know that's alert that you need to remove that adept duelist can help you take care of and it's even valuable for that final swing if you can get up on board it can basically turn into a two damage burn spell if it's the uh if it gets around the edge for two damage um so i think those cards i don't consider those silver bullets law of fear is another one that i think has is actually quite powerful in certain decks against creepers like in the brennan because it both exhausts the seed and then also protects the deck from other the other six units that, that Hope can pump out. Um, but uh, Era's End in a deck that doesn't have any Era's End synergy, that feels like a silver bullet because it, it doesn't do anything for you except in the one case where it does this hugely valuable thing. Yeah, I mean, and I, I'm not disagreeing with that. I guess it's in, you know, how do you define a silver bullet versus a meta counter, right? Like like you guys said before, a, a good silver bullet is a card that's going to have another use along with, you know, dealing with the big problem. And that's where, that's what I think a Adept Duelist is, right? Where, like, you put it in your deck because you want to be able to deal with a Root Armored Knight, right? That's usually why it goes in there. But I agree with everything else you said about Adept Duelist. Um, it's a phenomenal card for... You know, it's it's a little overpriced for those other things. Right, for any of those other, for sure. But that's okay, because that's not why it's there. It's there to do a thing, but if it doesn't do the thing, then it can do other stuff. Um, I've won games because, you know, with that final Adept Duelist swing. And I won a, a very memorable one, as a matter of fact, against Neil in the last long shuffle bus we had before the pod qualifiers. In the last round where I think my final play, like I was about to, I was dead and I drew into something like Accelerate, Adept Duelist, Time Hopper, Flash Strike, Swing for Six or something on my, on my last draw and won the game. And, you know, that's something you can't do without Adept Duelist. Um, and Adept Duelist was told, I was Cole, right? Adept Duelist was there to deal with Root Armor because Cole hates Root Armor, but that was, that, it won me the game. 
Um, so, I mean, I call it a silver bullet because it was there to deal with root armor, but I, I, I agree. Like it's, uh, it's got lots of other uses. The, the law of fear thing is what I would call a meta counter, right? That's like a, that's not a silver bullet. That's there to deal with the fact that the meta is super fast right now. And, you know, the Brennan deck wants to make sure that it's not going to get overwhelmed on board. And law of fear is the way it can deal with that while it still pumps all of its damage out. Uh, stuff like that is a meta counter to me. Um, and then the support cards are the things that make the key elements of your deck better or are the plan B cards that get you across the finish line. And that's a, that's a really important thing to talk about because, you know, like Schmendrix has been saying this whole show, ashes is a very tight game that can, you know, come down to very small um, dice advantages doing big things. And it's very easy to fall into a trap where you've got a bunch of efficient stuff on the board, but so does the other guy and you just can't get through for that last few damage. And if you don't have that way to get over the finish line, whether that's burn or mill or bypass, it needs to be one of those three things probably unless you're more creative than me. Um, no, I think that's probably it. Yeah. <laughs> so we, the first episode we talked about like how you start building a deck, right? How you get your 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 idea, your core concept, your your first few cards. Um, and now we're at the point of we're talking about like filling in the deck. Last episode was first fives, yeah. Last episode was first fives, right? Which sort of, um, tails off of of that discussion of like, well, normally your core concept two or three of those cards are going to be in your first five. But like now we're talking about actually filling in the rest of the deck. Um, so I put this to, to both of you guys. When, when you're coming up with um, most likely, you know, the, the 25 other cards, or maybe it's the 20 other cards in the deck. Yeah, 20. How many of those are, um, are your your meta counters and, and silver bullets and I'll, I'll combine those into like just one category like do you usually say well i never want more than maybe two or three of these cards for different matchups and how many are supporting your plan a and how many are supporting a backup plan which we usually like to call well i, I guess reaches tends to be burned specifically but your your plan b I, it first of all it depends on the plan B, um, and the plan A, <laughs> right? Um, but I, I'm not very big, and and this could be, like I I could be showing here, you know why I don't go further than top cuts in tournaments, but I don't have a ton of meta counter cards in my deck, like I don't build a deck thinking I need to beat Hope Creeper. I just think I want to have cards that work together that make my deck do the things I want it to do and and find ways to finish games. And and maybe I, you know, that could be a flaw, right, in how I build decks because I, I don't put a lot of meta counters in. I mean, if I, I'll put in stuff that, like, if there's, a, if there's a strategy that hard stops me, 
right? Like for instance, Cole, if you're going to root armor all your guys, like I, I, that's a big problem. So, you know, in that case, I had a depth duelist in the list. Um, and some other like fade away and some other ways to deal with root armor because like you, you Cole just can't deal with that. Um, like those things I'll try and find answers to, but like the general meta, I typically don't. I, I look for a plan a that deals with that. Right. Or that can stand up to that in some way. Like I, I want to have a plan for it, but I'm not going to like, I typically won't put a couple cards in my deck just to deal with that. I just kind of say, okay, here's my plan. A, I think it can handle the stuff in the meta or at least a good chunk of it. And if it can't, then it gives me a fighting chance. That's interesting. Okay. Schmendrix, what about you? I think similar. I mean, I guess what I would say is if I actually think there's a need for, I mean, first of all, I've never made a top cut in a tournament, so I, you can give this even less weight than you give what Killer just said. But I would say that I don't, I would, uh, if there's a meta deck that I'm particularly worried about, then I want a first five for it. I don't want random cards that I'm hoping to draw into for it. I want I want a first five plan that addresses it, and I want it to be a strong first five plan. It might not be the only first five plan that the deck has, and generally it won't be, but I want to understand what the first five into Hope Creepers is. Um, what I'll say is uh, I tend to fall back heavily on a couple, on two different things when I'm filling out a deck, and they're removal and burn. Uh, and that's because, like, in finance, there's the concept of, like, the riskless asset, like, what you can make money from just leaving your how, how much money you can make just leaving your money in the bank and in ashes i think we have some really strong risk risk-free assets basically in the form of cards like sympathy pain in particular probably my favorite card in the entire game and the one that i struggle to to not just build every deck with because it doubles as burn and removal uh and can close games and and create board advantage and then like a whole suite of other really valuable removal spells like ice trap and other things and burn is just so helpful for for closing out games um and i went through a period where i played monk a lot like almost every day for for a while it'd be like while i was drinking my coffee and when someone's building running wall mill decks against you every day you really start to value the ability to punch through when necessary and throw burn over the top because uh it was it was very helpful in teaching me the dangers of of relying on board advantage achieved like fairly through through just through unit exchanges yeah monk monk is definitely a pro at that but i so you you said that you consider having a secondary or alternative first five for some matchups. And I think that's, I think that is in a sense, a way of, of, you know, incorporating the meta counter or silver bullets into your, your build. Like, I don't think it has totally, to be, totally. I hope to draw into the one of era's end, um, which I have done definitely more recently. Like I just, I do sort of, by default include a one of um hoping i'll have it but there are definitely some cards which i will just include in my first five and you know some phoenix born definitely easier 
um, at the flexibility than others, like, you know, say like a Demona or something where you can keep that card in your first five and you can either use it or not if the, the situation comes up or you have an alternative plan, usually because of the Phoenix born ability. And like one example is, um, ice trap where up until I guess, um, it was probably the Demona release where, you know, like Cloudburst Griffin and now Ruin Dweller, um, where, you know, there were a lot of X2s that became more popular and, and definitely more, you know, worth including in, in every deck. Crystal Archer, sort of same thing. Um, I rarely had Ice Trap for whatever reason in my builds. And then all of a sudden the meta switched. And I was like, well, I have to include two or three of these if I'm playing Nature. And by extension, I almost inevitably always included one in my first five. So I was definitely playing it and building decks as if, you know, this like this is the meta counter and I'm going to include them. But I've also tried to experiment lately with just completely alternative first five. So one thing I've been trying to put in my head and this taking inspiration from clues builds and, and some of his articles is just like, I have a, a, a deck idea. This is, you know, sort of what I will play in 80% of the matches, but then because hope and Brennan are so warping to that plan or, you know, because you have to have specific answers or at least anticipate them, then I have a completely different first five. And so those, those five cards effectively become my, well, not silver bullet, but my, my counter. Like I'm, I'm incorporating those only because I anticipate such a matchup. And I could see that with something like a law of fear or, you know, like when, when sleeping widow still existed, uh, as or unchained, I should say, uh, having, you know, almost a near like, like four, three or four ally start, right? Like I would, Raptor Herder is a great start off hunt master, those types of things. And so I'm trying to incorporate that into my ideas more where if I know that there's going to be a painful matchup, I just have a different first five of it. And it could even include overloading my spell board so that I just pick three completely different books. Like if I'm going to play against Mayoni, I'm not sure that I want to play all one ones. Um, you know, even though obviously the efficiency is there, I don't want to just feed a snake. I need something else. So I might swap in, you know, a different ready spell. Um, so that's how I kind of have been looking at it lately, but it's interesting that you like, so, so killer, you just mostly stay like plan a plus backup reach. I mean, mostly like, like I said, there's times where I'll put some stuff in, I guess like one card that we can talk about as a pretty easy example of like a meta counter is choke. And like, like that's a card yeah. I will throw into decks here or there, but I'm, but again, I'm usually not thinking like I, I'm going to put choke in because I want to choke hope in the first round. Like I put choke in because I'm like, okay, I'm in ceremonial already. And I'm my plan B is burn already. So choke kind of fits with that. And I can now have it as an option to pull out against a Hope or a Brennan or a, you know, whoever, an Odette or an Aerodel or what, whoever else I don't feel like dealing with an ability on in the first round. Um, I guess that's a good example of something I do do sometimes. 
but just I don't know. I, I I tend to not deck build that way. I I may deck refine that way, and you know maybe that's something to talk about. Like I you know I first build a deck and I say all right here's thirty cards they work well together. Here's my plan A. Here's how I want to finish games. Here's my you know general starting ideas, and then I play it a few times and lose to a couple specific things. Right. You know, then maybe I say, okay, in order to beat this thing that keeps beating me, I'm going to swap out card A for card B. Um, I do do that sometimes. So, I, I mean, I guess it's not fair to say yeah. I just don't deck build that way, but I, I do. It's just you, you get there afterwards, not like you're part of your initial 30. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm I guess I'm a bit slow, right? Like I, I don't anticipate the kind of things that are going to beat me, right? It's it's a it's more of a process and unfortunately I'm not a very dedicated tester, so I don't get that far very often. Um but when I do, it's you know that that's kind of how I usually do it. So something that um I well so Shadow and I have been building decks f- together for a while. Um, as part of just like a, a little project and something that I found really helpful was bouncing your idea off of someone. Um, it doesn't have to be like full cooperative deck building, but just, you can get really, I, I find I can get really stuck on either the idea, the core idea or getting stuck in the like the sort of the automatic throw-ins when I, you know, I have an idea, I get maybe 10, 15 cards in sometimes 20. And I'm like, well, I don't know. Like, I'm just going to include three sympathy pains, you know, two or three Raptor herders and, and some other, you know, basic removal that I include in every deck. Right. I mean, obviously if you're in nature, it's easy to just drop in wraths or whatever. And, it can get sometimes too rote almost or too um, unanalytical where you're not really thinking, does this fit with the rest of the plan um, or does this really work with the dice? And so I've, I've really appreciated having an idea and sometimes I'm short, sometimes I'm five cards you know, over the limit and then I just punt it off to someone and say, this is what I'm going for, what do you think? And um, having that second eye, much like if you were writing an essay or otherwise, right? Just having a second pair of eyes can really help even before you get to the testing process and self-refining the deck. Um, So that's something I just, I'll throw out there. I suggest other people do um, because it can really help nail down one or two cards or just something you're not really thinking about at the time. Yeah, it's a good thought. And it's, you know, something I've done with you guys, right? Like I'll, you know, constantly I'll throw up a deck idea or whatever in our little like three person private message. Um, it's, you know, if it's something I'm trying to come up with a specific idea for, for, you know, a tournament or something that I'm not trying to share with the whole world. Although I share most of my ideas with the whole world. Yes. The inner sanctum is where all the ideas (laughs) go. But, but you're right. I mean, it's, it's good to, you know, a lot of times people will see things that you're just, you're not thinking about. And I, I do, I'm very similar where I'll get like, um, kind of stuck it. Like I'll build a deck real fast and it kind of builds itself off of my 
first idea and then I don't think through some of those things and it's, it's like other people's perspective. I've, there's been many, many, many times where I've built a deck, thrown it up on Discord, and then somebody says, well, what about this? And I'm like, oh, it's a really good idea. And, and then I put that, you know, I adjust that like right away, basically. I, I think it would be really cool for the three of us in some future episode to do like uh just like do an episode where we eventually you know get through all these deck building parts i think we got like two or three more sort of ideas of segments but then trying to apply all of these in an episode where the three of us build a deck off of some idea and you know try and do like a demonstration or see what works and what doesn't work yeah that'd be really cool that would be cool do we want to move on to uh like looking through some of these decks yeah yeah, let's move on. Yeah, we we should look at the blood transfer decks. I do just want to say that uh, we, the news there was huge news, which is that the red rain cycle is coming, uh, and um, it's going to introduce PVE plus a whole bunch of new cards and alternate uniques for the for the PBs. So um, that should be really exciting, and I'm really excited to see where the the meta goes. Uh, I know it's untraditional an hour into a podcast to introduce news, but I, I didn't think we should go the whole episode without mentioning the no, huge shakeup right. that's on the horizon. For yeah, Ashes. no, we were gonna, we were going to start with it, and then we got off the rails. But it, it's super exciting, and I know it has generated a ton of conversation between the Ashes Discord and the Team Covenant server, like all these names that I would not. I don't want to say are not part of the community because that's that's not true. I just they're not like the regular vocal part of the community, and they just all of a sudden jumping out of nowhere, you know, giving and sharing their excitement or their ideas or their questions. There's been a lot of that, so it's yeah, really it's cool, really and cool. I'm hoping that it is a gateway drug for people to get into the competitive side, uh, just because it it would be great to have more, you know, active uh, competitive players, but. Um, either way, it's, I'm really looking forward to it and really hoping that Noah is good. Like, whatever his other unique is, I hope it just makes him awesome. Yeah, I've, so I, I, got my I was crossed. very, like, <laughs> alternate Phoenixborn-specific cards was not something that was even on my mind. Um, and it's so, it's a very simple thing. And... It, you know, something I'm like, how, you know, how did I not think of, like, that as a way to fix some of this stuff? Um, but like, you know, we've seen Phoenix born just because they have an awesome, unique card, like be really good. So, I mean, you you think like, you know, Victoria sucks right now, but if she gets an awesome, unique card that you can put three of in, then, you know, maybe all of a sudden now she's good. And the same thing with Noah and Fiona and some of these, like, it allows it, it's it's just a, a such a smart move by Plat Hat giving themselves a way to fix some of these Phoenix born that are underappreciated, um, you know, without errata or without you know just by printing another unique card. Well, and not even not even just fixing, right? Like it it can actually give Phoenix borns different. Um, possible play oh yeah for strategies like you think of some you think of some phoenix born like mayoni that only ever use a one of their unique right right? or or others that only like maybe demona or maybe victoria only ever use a two of 
Um, or a none of. Similar, yeah. Or none of. Yeah. <laughs> like a Brandon, you know, a none of, or an Aridel. Flora is going to hate me for this, but, uh, you know, n- nobody plays Blue Jaguar. So the opportunity to just balance the the desire to include three of your unique and make the Phoenix born that you select more important. Um, Cause you know, there has been that discussion of like, well, every time I build this deck, I just say, well, isn't this just better in, you know, hope I'm, we're on that train. I'm just going to pick them again, you know, just, just, Hey, I built this really cool deck in Airedale. Well, it's just better in hope or I picked this really cool, maybe burn deck in James or Ramia or whatever. It's just better in Brennan. Um, and it would be cool to utilize the uniques to incentivize you to stay in a yeah, different no doubt. It's, born. it's just such a I was very I was very surprised and excited about that part of it just because it was something I hadn't thought of and I I don't know how I didn't think of it after seeing it revealed. It's it's just a it's a very smart thing to do. So I'm I'm glad they're going that direction and very excited for the PVE stuff too. I mean I you know, I, I'm gonna stay more in the PvP stuff, but you know, as a guy that has a nine year old kid, like we'll sit there and play PvE against the Chimera a lot, and that's gonna be really cool. So can't wait to see what else. Is yeah, going. cool. All right, should we talk about uh, blood transfer? Yeah, we can do that. We did have, um, yeah. <laughs> we did have four submissions. Um, I did make a deck for this. I played it once. I did the cool blood transfer thing. That I wanted to do. Um, I forgot to sub- link it and submit it here. But I think Neil has a similar thing than, to me anyway. But uh, well, I did it one time. And I was like alright I never need to do that again. Like I <laughs> I did it. It's, it was fun. I moved on. Um, but I am happy to see some people trying to make this. This very very. Difficult card work. I also made one. But I. I we. Uh. Treatment and I had very similar ideas, so I'll let Treatment talk about his. Okay. I want to preface it by saying what's really cool is, once again, there were no, I mean, aside from you and me, Schmendrick, there's no submissions that were the same. There's three. Uh, so it was Red King, um, Neil, because I called him out, and he actually did, uh, <laughs> he gave a deck, which was awesome. Thank you, Neil. And uh, Shadowfire, a regular contributor. Um each of them is a different flavor and once again the thing that i noticed just reading through the lists earlier is that they are jank as far as the fact that they're including blood transfer so you know you can have all your thoughts on that but the actual decks themselves i think are really solid and it's just using blood transfer to typically enable something like um you know self-sack and so I just, I look at these lists and it's like, yeah, this would just be cool to play or it's good. And if you do want to remove the blood transfer and slot in something else, you can and you still have a good deck. But I think that does show that you can make something useful and you, you can build around an underutilized card um, and still get something that I think is performant. Or I, I mean, in theory, I haven't played any of these decks. So in theory. But at least we know that Schmendrix is two and zero with his deck, so that means that it yeah. is good. <laughs> it's good in it's good in Ashtecky casual. Uh, yeah, settings. chain blood transfer, chain it. It's too good. 
<laughs> yep, that's right, Neil. This whole time, this was all a ruse to sucker you into a conversation about how you can make anything competitive right. if you try hard <laughs> enough. So let, let's. Well, let's let's get to yeah. Let's look let's at, get at to it. Neil's so he, Neil's got an Odette list. Um, Blood transfer, butterfly monk, Lightbringer, um, crypt guy. He's got a Gorn rock brawler, hammer knight, raptor herder. He's got some um, molten golds, fester, nature's wrath sword. And then ice traps, fate reflections, and golden veils. I mean, it's a like you said, treatment. This is a pile of good cards, other than blood transfer, and it's uh, it, it's gonna, it's gonna win games because it's Odette and good stuff. Um, but it has, you know, this is what I had in my deck, right? I built mine around blood transfer and Gorn Rock Brawler, just to use blood transfer to get a heal on the Phoenix Born and help put two tokens on my Gorn Rock Brawler so I could refresh it. And, you know, it also will help with Odette's five battlefield that, you know, you can clear out a Lightbringer or a Butterfly Monk, right? That's exhausted or that's, you know, clogging up one of your spots with the blood transfer, get a heal on Odette, open up the spot with a side action and then main action, put down a guy. Um, I mean, that's, that's about what blood transfer is going to do for you in these builds but i mean it's still like you said a pile of good cards i mean you put an odette deck with lightbringer and crypt guy and three sword of virtues and some burn and good and fate reflections and it's gonna win games my like there there are a few things to me that stand out and that that make odette um in this case uh i think an interesting choice and one it's that you know she typically does um, like tall strategies, so knight strategies, um, because of her smaller battlefield. And um, with something like a Crypt Guardian or Gornrock, which are not alert, um, you know, you don't ne necessarily always want to counter. So the ability to blood transfer and heal them especially the Crypt Guardian, right? Because if you can keep two or three of those alive round over round, that's a ton of control. Um, that's awesome. And so he included three Butterfly Monks in addition to that to give either the Knights or Odette the heal to really keep you know the game going and then using all of the removal and a ton of, um, well, I guess two Molten Golds. So adding in that extra reach. I think there's a, a lot of nice synergy outside of just the Goron Rock, which I thought was a really cool include. Um, and the three of Butterfly Monk book was neat because you do now have that self-sack. So I thought it was a really cool deck, and I like that he, you know, he went in with the right, like, I know initially he was like, oh, not seriously going to build something with blood transfer, but it this is like a well, I think, thought-out deck, and things synergize nicely. And I, I think it'd be cool to just actually see in play. Yeah, I agree. I think it's really cool. I mean, uh, going back to our earlier conversation, I get the do I have enough reach, like spidey sense that I start worrying about because there's no way to go over the top. Um, there's a ton of removal, obviously, but a lot of it's main action removal uh, in the form of what Odette's doing. Um, you've got the Lightbringers, which are nice to try and create opportunities to swing through, and the Ice Traps are obviously a reaction, but um, I think it's I, it's cool. I think the blood transfer onto Gorinrock is a really sneaky play. If Gorinrock were good, it'd be great. 
like like when I I built my deck right and I did it in round two or whatever I you know side action blood transfer main action refresh or comeback right I did that and I got all excited and then I realized like you know I just spent three dice to refresh the thing and I could have spent one more dice and just made a whole new one <laughs> you know yeah. I mean, it, it depends whether you have the space or not, right? Yeah, I mean, if you don't have the battlefield space, and I did get a, a Phoenixborn heal out of it, too, right? It's, but, um... And the self-sack on whatever you needed to correct. clean up. Well, I, well, in that instance, I just put two wounds on the Gornrock Brawler because I needed two more tokens to refresh it. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, you're right. But still, right. like, you yeah. know, I got a heal and whatever, so it was interesting. I think it synergizes with Odette, though, because you have the free removal built in with Ender right. the Fray. And, and Ender the Fray hurts you, too. So, like, the blood transfer helps offset that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would switch a few things, probably, as Schmendrick said, to add more reach. Like, three Fate Reflections and two Golden Veils um, and three Ice Traps. Like, that's a ton of removal, and I'm not sure you need all of it. So, maybe cutting like a fate reflection and maybe even the the two shadows and slotting in two faster or sorry um two final cries might be what i would do with it i don't know if i'd cut a fate reflection in a, like I, I feel like odette always wants three fate reflection yeah maybe yeah i learned that the hard way last odette i played for a chain card uh so i I know we want to talk about the other submissions, but I do think this point about I could just play another Gorinrock for one extra dice does point out uh, why Rowan is actually an interesting place for blood transfer because of the fact that late game, he's only got the one Chimera. Um, and I think there's some interesting things you can do with it. So I, I don't know if we yeah, want let's to talk, talk about... Yeah, let's talk about Treatment's Rowan. So Treatment's got... Well, I mean, yeah, or it... I, we could talk about Schmendrix because he actually played his, and I watched it, and it was cool. But it, they're the functionally the same. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I have your I have your list up, so I'll read it real quick. It's um, blood transfer, full all the chance of revenge, a ruined dweller book, a bunch of allies here, a blood archer, blood shamans, uh, crypt guys, fire archers, rising hordes, obviously ritualist, a sun shield sentry, um, and then you got the discoveries and a couple of niche action spells here Cho uh, choke airs and excavate rapture generosity and some final cries so <clears throat> is the idea here like get out the discoveries and then blood transfer to clear out the chimera is that what we're doing uh well so the the main synergy like because rowan is sort of looking for that late game um build up so the, the main synergy in the early game is going to be your blood transfers onto Rising Horde. To get it, to, to get it dead. Just pump yeah. out a ton of guys, right, to, to build up that wall. Um, and alternatively, you or, or um, in synergy with that, you also have the ability to kill off blood shamans, which will give you heal to keep you in the game. So I have between, there's like two generosity and two blood shaman. And dice fixing, which yeah, you really like. Exactly. Yeah, so you have you have that ability to keep yourself in the long game, um, and then healing Crypt Guardian, blood and Blood Archer because Blood Archer, you know, naturally, like if you can ping for two and then heal it up and then ping for another two, that's a ton of control. Um, and uh, and then you know, since we were on the topic of Silver Bullets, this is like where I did include you know three one ofs. So I included a choke 
specifically for the um, sort of hope or, or Brennan matchups. I included a, an era's end in there, probably not ever to start it, but hopefully to draw into it. Um, and then the uh, the excavate was similarly um, with just having recently seen Realmwalker in you know Clue taking it to the the finals in the last chance pod qualifier. Just thinking like, what do I do, you know, with a hunting weapons Realmwalker round one? Well, I might as well at least try and punt it, you know, when it drops. So those were sort of thoughts that I had with silver bullets to just um, help me stabilize in round one. And then there's a lot of burn backed in there. So Chimera typically is more of a finisher rather than like, you're probably not going to go three, four, five rounds with it and hit the overkill every time. You probably maybe get six damage in if you can refresh it. Um, So there's final cries in there and the, uh, the um, chant of revenge to really just, start getting your stuff on board and that's why it's ally heavy too right because rowan's ability is amazing but i mean like spendrick you played it like how did it feel because watching it was awesome like it gave it seemed to give you a lot of opportunity yeah mine's a little mine was a little bit different i didn't go so chant heavy like i literally just have the chant in my deck as a i had one chant of worship basically for i could be chant of anything it's just like discard fodder for discovery that i can pull back with ritualists um and then I have two arrows ends. And that's where, I mean, I didn't actually, this is like a legit did not consider this when I was building the deck, but basically I had this issue where I had an exhausted Chimera uh, at the end of the game, uh, an arrows end in hand. Um, and, and that situation, your opponent's never gonna help you kill the Chimera. So it was it was cool to blood transfer, kill, my, <laughs> kill the Chimera and then be able to arrows end again. Um, and I think uh, there's other stuff in here that it's like I had I have one X reclaim soul. Like I just think it's uh, it's a nice way of being able to have a self sack engine that also heals. I don't think it's as good as just like playing more reclaim souls, for example, or doing other things. So I would not claim it has special utility over other things. But I do think um, it's fun to find a niche for it and think about what it's providing that no other card does and i think again i think the rowan the fact that it's side action self sack with a heal makes it makes it at least a little bit interesting in a place like rowan and i don't know thinking about this more actually i wonder now i kind of want to build a saria blood transfer deck as a way of having a self sack option on the raven because yeah you it, it, it's interesting to try and think about where are the places where um you can't just get another one. You want the self-sack option. You you may want to go long, and sorry, it's for a mill plan. I think you need a... I mean, if we're... We, we shouldn't seriously be talking about blood transfer being good, but like... But, but, no. but if we're talking about that... It's like, not good. You need a, a reason to have a side action self-sacrifice. You need a unit that does something when it dies. Right? <laughs> and you you really need to take advantage Ideally. of the deal, right? You need all of those things at the same time, and then maybe blood transfer gets enough value for two dice. Like, that's... If we're, like, seriously talking about it, being good, but... I, I, I do yeah. like the idea... and Rowan, here. I think, checks checks all those boxes, right? There, there's a world in which 
you want to side action your rising horde to clear it to put two fallen in and then uh then use exhume to place another two fallen like that is that's a world that exists right. may not be a world that yeah and heal your blood archer at the same time for two right yeah and you know you just spent three dice to get um you know four one ones and a heal four units um which yeah. which isn't horrible right so it's a. Uh... but you could be playing hope creepers so <laughs> <laughs> right. shame on you <laughs> all right you want to talk let's look at shadow fires uh, deck here so he he built a Leo deck. So Shadow's deck, he has Leo, um, Blood Transfer, Ruby Cobra, Salamander Monk. Um, this is like a, uh, I feel like Shadowfire's calling card is two of spells. Like he loves to have two like two copies of everything, and this is a very good example of that. He's got two of all of these cards: um, Violinist, Druid, Fire Archer, Huntmaster, Raptor Herder, Rising Horde. Anguish, Blood Chains, Fester, Nature's Wrath, Final Cry, Ice Trap, and Sympathy Pain. Um, and then one Call Upon the Realm. But, uh, so, it, a, a lot, like, a big spread of stuff here. And just, uh, I, I guess Blood Transfer, like, my first thought is Blood Transfer on the Glowfinch to get two mil and heal you one. Um, is kind of like the epitome of, a a slowdown mill plan um although he has some burn in here too and um yeah he's got six sources of burn between the final cry sympathy pain and fire archer yeah this is one of those leo decks that like tries to do everything well i guess anguish too right um it, like you know again leo we've talked about before can like you know he can swing he can burn and he can mill like he can do all three um at the same time, and this is what a deck that's trying to do that between, like, you know, Ruby Cobra is a swing mill card, and Anguish is a burn mill card, and Glowfinch is a a swing mill card because it protects your swingers. Um, and then he's got, you know, a bunch of, just a bunch of other really solid things. Um, again, we have the Blood Transfer on the Rising Horde idea. Um... We have Essence Druid in here, which is an interesting unit to heal. Um, like you were saying earlier, treatment. You know, you have when we're talking about Crypt Guy, you know, a unit that you really want to keep alive that isn't alert. And you know, Essence Druid is kind of the same thing, yep. where it's it's hard enough to kill the thing anyway. And if uh, you know, healing it too is that's you know, healing an Essence Druid for two is more value than healing any other unit for two, because it's harder to get those two damage on it through attacking. I, I mean, I would also say that you probably aren't going to sack the Finch. Um, you're probably going to end up sacking Salamander Monk uh, to get the Spirit, or potentially sacking a Ruby Cobra if you find yourself like full on them. And then uh, there's also the Rising Horde, naturally. Uh, that seems to just be one of the best values you know, for that type, for any type of sack, but you have Blood Chains to help with that you've got the wraths to clean up the the little guys so i think there's this is like like you said it's it's um it aims to be able to hit on all three of the sort of win cons and um it's very consistent because of the two ofs uh and i also think that there is a lot of mixed synergy so i just 
you know, if I'm thinking round over round, you're probably never out of options, right? Like it's a really, it seems like to be a good spread of cards and a good spread of dice that you just, you'll always be able to spend them. You'll always be able to do something and almost always be able to make use of blood transfer, whether that's the sack aspect of it or the healing aspect of it. And and hopefully both. Yeah. And again, this type of, this type of list kind of sacrifices a little bit of consistency for some more like well-roundedness. And like I said, Shadowfire is kind of, in my opinion anyway, kind of famous for this. Like he always seems to spread his decks out a little more so that he's got all of his bases covered and, you know, may not draw into his most consistent cards every time with a deck like this with a bunch of two ofs. But he's always got the option to have it there. And um, yep. and there's something to be said for that. I've I've been building a little more decks like it's that. It's Leo, so it will be consistently annoying regardless right. of what you and it, I mean Leo's a good Leo's a good shell for a deck like this because like we we've been saying he yeah. can do all three things. So you know, you can kind of pivot one way or another depending on what you draw into. So yeah, it's kind of cool. I mean, even Charlotte loves oh, yeah. Leo, so you know. I know, she's really turned around. <laughs> yeah. And and German German took Leo to the finals and made a great show. Yeah. So I I'm a big I'm a big supporter of Leo. I've built quite a few Leo decks in different ways, and I think there's a lot of possibility that's just potentially underexplored with him. Um, and having a effectively a fourth book and a unit guard at that, which contributes to um, a win condition, is just great value for one basic. So. I think Leo is undervalued, but um, yeah. Moving on to the the last deck, which is Red King. Yeah, Red. Yeah, Red King has a submission here. That's a uh, it's a Jessa Fallen deck, um, which is interesting to me. He's got three Chance of Revenge, three Summon Fallen, and a Blood Transfer. Um, Ten allies. He's got three blood shaman, three fire archer, three rising horde, and one ritualist to get the chance going. He's got three fear, three kneel, um, and open memories, and three reclaim soul, and then three final cry. So, you know, it looks like we're. And he has a little description here, but, um, you know, only four battlefield for the Jessa, and, you know, so blood transfer gonna be doing a lot of work, to try and clear out those exhausted units on the battlefield. Um, also makes use of the one charm die that he has in the list that would only otherwise be for open memories. So, you know, that's kind of cool. But yeah, just going to clog the board up with zombies while he kills you with chants and final cries and screams of the departed. I think... This is like the most simple list I've seen of Red Kings. But, you know, idea is like zombies are so dice efficient that you can spend the dice on blood transfer, right? And get the heal and For sure. probably still scream too. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. I think this is the type of, like, if you're contrasting this to Shadow's list, this is, I would say this is like where if you're a beginner at deck building, and I'm not recommending blood transfer as like for. <laughs> you know, new people to deck building, but the, just this list is what, like, um, just outside of 10 cards, like, yeah. like 12 cards because it's all three ofs. And, you know, so that's very similar to like how a pre-con starts. And 
I think it's good when you're experimenting to to narrow your focus of the number of cards you're including and to just start with three of's to see how they feel and then like we'll we'll talk about refining decks in a, in another episode but I think this is a good place to start because then it shows like what is my core idea I'm going all in on it and then from there after testing I can start to change the numbers and the balance of it yeah, this deck will definitely wreck people and lose you friendships. So I would proceed cautiously <laughs> if you're a new player with yeah. this thing. Um, but it's it looks it looks good. I mean, it's uh, it's interesting to me that um, I mean this one has no uh, no target that you'd want to heal, no unit target that you'd want to heal. It's all healing Jessa with blood transfer, um, and. That's notable to me, and it just also, it's interesting to me that all of the decks are 18 health or greater PBs, um, who are also adding a heal card. Um, it's, uh, it makes me wonder about, you know, I, blood transfer at for the one heal, that's not hugely valuable, but it does make me wonder about why we don't see, like, you know, an Aerodel with a blood transfer I mean, or, this deck has a lot of healing in it. A I mean, ton. Reclaim, a lot three, of heal. Yeah. three fear, three, three, three blood shaman. Yeah, yeah, three blood yeah. shaman, which are you know, are, are heal and that's what I mean. Trans- I mean, there's a lot of healing in this thing. That's what I mean about losing friendships. You're gonna bring this deck to a table. It's gonna take about an hour and twenty minutes to play, and you're gonna effectively have like twenty eight health, and you're gonna murder them slowly. Yeah, very, if they can't slowly. get over top of your board of four zombies, then you know yeah. it's just gonna slowly whittle you away. While you know, I go side action, blood transfer, scream for one, heal one, main action, put a zombie down. Like your turn. Yeah. <laughs> or even top of the round, he's yeah. got three kneels. Right, top of the round, you kneel first, and then you blood transfer and open up right. your own spot. And scream yeah, and heal. And then play a fire archer. This, this. <laughs> do, do, you know. And do, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it's, uh, if you can get that board locked down, this would be nasty for sure. Yeah, I think this is a cool deck. So, so between the four, uh, well, no, sorry, five. I mean, Schmendrick's built a separate deck, so might as well, like, eh. just because they're both Rowan doesn't matter. Um, what do you guys, where's your, your seal of approval going? Look, if Neil had one amplify in his deck, he'd get my vote. But as it is, I can't. I can't vote for that. Uh, so I'm gonna go with. Um, I'll vote for Pharaoh. I like. For, I like for the Red King. Deck. Yeah, the Red King. I like its brutal simplicity. Yeah, I um, I I think Neil's deck is the strongest of the four. Like Neil's deck will win the most games. Shadowfires is the most balanced. Red Kings is the most fun. Um, and the Rowan is like the sneakiest of the bunch. Like they, they all have something going for them. I, I don't know which one I, I like the most. I, I think my gut says to vote for Red Kings deck. I feel like I don't want to just vote for that one every time, but um, I voted for his last week too. But I, I think I agree with Schmendrix. I like the kind of cruel simplicity of that list i traditionally do not have a great record on uh four 
battlefield PBs. Um, so I'm not. I'll toss my vote a different way. I think I'm going to toss it to the Roan builds, just because I think that the sort of the synergy um, with Rising Horde and the Allies and the long term ability to bring out Chimera and do something with it. So like the idea of keeping yourself healthy and then also being able to sack it later on is probably the best use of blood transfer specifically. I mean, the, the Odette list is very strong. That That's, I don't think, in any doubt. But in terms of the synergy, I think it's... I'm going to put my stamp on the Rowan deck. All right, so, you know, we... we... Vote for himself. <laughs> Yeah. Well, for for you cuz you you demonstrated it. And we we talked last episode, we talked for like another 20 minutes and I think like 15 of the cards we put together in the same deck cuz we had discussed it. So this is all credit to you. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So let's wrap up uh this episode by spinning the wheel of jank again as we as we are want to do. Um I have spun the wheel of jank and it has landed on chant it up. Mm. Okay. So we are gonna we are gonna build some decks with chance. Um I don't know that it has to you have to use all the chance. I I just think you gotta you gotta chant stuff. I, I mean I, I did that Remio with Chant of Revenge. I'll I'll probably do I'll do something else. I like I wanna mess around with Chant of Erosion. Oh, that's where my head went too. Well, we can we can see whose is more interesting. Well, I mean, there's only so many. There's only so many chants, right? Like, it, we're, we're gonna overlap. I think revenge is gonna yeah. be the popular one for sure. But um, I think I'm just gonna cheat and submit my James deck, which I'd never played, but it was using hostility. I think. Yeah, I was gonna say somebody get brave and do some hostility stuff. I'd like to see someone really think through how to make that work well. Hostility and fallen was the idea. Yeah. So we'll see. But um but we forgot two things and I only say I want to r- jump back retroactively to the events and news only because these things are coming up before our, probably our next filming date or just near it. Um there's the Koloff that is uh still I think available for sign up until Wednesday and so that's being run by charlotte it's a cool tournament everyone should join it's going to be running between december 1st and 11th um and then there's going to be the shuffle bus world championship which we sort of touched on that's going to be december 10th um so everyone should hop on the stream and watch and support you know whoever their favorite player is or support the um counter strategies to to hope creepers um but those things are going on so make sure you sign up and you watch and participate in the community yeah, no doubt all right with that i yeah Thanks, i guys. think we can wrap it up um if you're not janky you're stanky there it is <laughs> we'll see you next and we'll see you in a couple of weeks on the jankyard it's always good yeah peace out everyone ciao guys later